Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is the Football News and Knowledge Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Bell. We got a lot to talk about today, including the recap from this past Thursday night football game between the Rams and the Seahawks. Great game. If you didn't see it, Russell Wilson had one nasty injury to his middle finger on his right hand, which is his throwing hand. Uh, But we'll get into that in a minute. I would just like to apologize to anyone who it may have inconvenienced since there was a bit of a delay in publishing of the Wednesday episode. It did not end up getting published. I believe it came on or got was accessible to at like 12.30 in the morning central time uh, on all publications, Spotify, Apple, all that. If this inconvenienced you at all, I am very sorry about that. But without further ado, let's get into the recap from the Thursday night football game between the Rams and the Seahawks. The Rams came in as favorites to beat the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. And I said right from the beginning on Wednesday that I believe that the Seattle Seahawks were very overrated coming into this game because of their week three matchup where they completely benefited from Jimmy Garoppolo going out at halftime. I said it in the Wednesday episode that I believe that the 49ers would have either won that game in Week 3 or kept it very close and the Seahawks would have just skimmed by. That being said, Russell Wilson was under a lot of pressure in this game. The offense had okay run gaps and just really a poor to okay run game in general and the pass protection was rather poor as well their defense the Seattle defense was going up a against a very hard matchup in the LA Rams offense led by Matthew Stafford of course and the defense had struggled they had poor run defense they had okay gap protection for against the run and they really did not have any pressure against uh Matthew Stafford. The coverage for the CLC Hawks was extremely poor and you know I love Jamal Adams. I'm I'm gonna be quite frankly honest. I love Jamal Adams. I think he's a dog, a great player. But Jamal, if you ever listen to this episode or if Seattle fans are listening to this episode. Jamal Adams, you are not a safety. You are a linebacker. And there's nothing wrong with that. You are not good in coverage. You're a liability. Um, you are the next coming of Mark Barron, but a better version of Mark Barron. For those who do not remember Mark Barron, Mark Barron played for the Buccaneers. Uh, I think he was drafted in like 2010, and he started off at safety. He converted to linebacker. He was actually on the Rams at one point, and he played both linebacker and defensive back for the Rams. That That's how I see Jamal Adams' career going right now, because... As everyone jokes about, everyone makes memes about, and I'm not making fun in any way. 
I'm just stating the facts that he is a complete liability in coverage. There is no reason that someone who's regarded as a top-end safety in Jamal Adams, which he's a top-end, not safety, but linebacker, definitely a top-end linebacker, should be getting burned by a tight end like Tyler Higby, and that's no offense, or no, not trying to make fun of Tyler Higby, uh, better tight end than I ever was, clearly, um, but Tyler Higby is not a, a household name. He should not be getting burned by Tyler Higby, and for that touchdown that ended up in, or that was in the corner of the end zone, I mean, Jamal Adams didn't stick with Higby at all. He was playing very off coverage, and he couldn't keep up with him. So, Seattle fans, y'all have a great linebacking core. Your secondary, I, I don't consider Jamal Adams a corner or safety. Maybe towards the end of his career, he'll be a corner. Uh... But I'm also going to congratulate the Jets because I think the Jets won that trade officially. And I think Jamal Adams won that trade because you know what? Jamal Adams wanted to leave the Jets. He got his wish. He went to a good team. I think everyone really won because I'm not saying the CLC Hawks did not get a bad player. They got a very good player. They just didn't get what they wanted. They wanted a safety. You guys wanted a safety. Let's be honest. Y'all got a linebacker. And it's almost like opening up presents on Christmas morning or, you know, whatever holiday you want to call your holiday. Or even, like, your birthday. And, you know, it's in the shape of a, the new Xbox or the new PlayStation. And you open it up and it's... Not what you expected. It's like clothes or something. And it's not nice clothes. It's like clothes that you definitely didn't want. Like a sweater that you got last year from like your aunt or something. And you're just like, oh, thanks. Yeah, this is great. But this isn't what I really wanted. Which, still being grateful for the gift. Jamal Ams is a great player. At the same time, you guys did not get what y'all wanted. And I feel bad for Seahawks fans for that reason. But at the same time, y'all do have a great linebacking core with Jamal Adams in there. I would say he's probably the best blitzing linebacker. And I know everyone's making fun of him right now for that because it seems like that's all he can do. But he, he's a very good linebacker. Getting over to the Rams. The Rams offense had good run gaps. They had an overall solid to good run game. And they had very good pass protection. Uh, the defense for the Rams, they they had solid gap control. They had good run defense overall, but their gap control wasn't the best. And they had good pressure on Russell Wilson. Now, I'm going to say they had good pressure on Russell Wilson. Geno Smith came in, and they had not that much pressure on Geno. And... Is Geno the next coming? I mean, is Geno Smith going to be the next great quarterback? I'm kidding. Calm down. Calm down, everyone. Don't turn me off just yet. I'm just joking. Geno Smith is still Geno Smith. Um, but 
they did not apply that much pressure on Geno Smith. And I would say if you're a CLC Hawks fan, Russell Wilson is expected to miss six to eight weeks because of that finger injury. And, you know, Russell Wilson's a tough guy. I think he's probably going to end up coming back sooner. But I think the Seahawks could potentially win a couple games with Geno Smith. Based on what I saw on the film from his performance against the Rams, he played pretty well. The coverage for the Seahawks was downright amazing in the game. And, I am I mean, he, Geno Smith genuinely impressed in that game against the Rams. Even though he threw the interception at the end of the game, I would say that wasn't really his fault. I mean, it, you could say, oh, well, he threw the ball. Yeah, but Tyler Lockett tripped. He tripped over... I, I'm blanking on what corner it was from the Rams but he tripped over a corner and if he doesn't trip that ball is right where it needs to be and Tyler Lockett as a CLC Hawks fan I'm sure any Seahawks fan will tell you he's catching that ball DK Metcalf yeah it's 70-30 that he'll catch it Tyler Lockett's catching that ball so that game showed I feel like how who the Seahawks really are a team that is good not average but not great they're, they're not Super Bowl contenders they are slightly above average and even though I think Geno Smith might win a few a game or two for the Seattle Seahawks, I'm gonna pull up their schedule as I talk. The I don't really know if they really have an opportunity to make the playoffs just because of how hard their division is. I mean, they the Cardinals, of course, are undefeated still. The Rams are very good. The 49ers are very good. And the Seahawks, week six at Pittsburgh, doesn't seem like a hard game, but that defense is deadly. First, the Saints, they're going to be no pushovers. First, Jacksonville. Jacksonville has stepped up, even though Jacksonville might struggle because the Urban Meyer situation, as I talked about in Wednesday's episode, could be a lingering effect on the Jags. Trevor Lawrence is still rising and like becoming a great quarterback. So that's not going to be a totally easy game. But then they have their bye week, week 9. Week 10 versus the Packers in Green Bay. I'm not giving them a chance in that game. Week 11 versus the Cardinals. Week 12 versus the Washington football team in Washington. I'll give them a chance in that game. And then week 13 versus the 49ers, I'm not giving them a chance. And now that would be, if if that happened, that would mean at Washington that Russell Wilson would have been out for, after the 49er game actually, that would be eight weeks. 
Arizona would be six weeks. I could see Russell Wilson coming back after the bye week because of how tough of a quarterback Russell Wilson is. I would not be shocked if the Seahawks maybe... I think that they could beat the Steelers. It's going to be a close game. And it'll depend on the injury report. But they have a couple extra days to prepare with Geno Smith. Then they face the Saints. They could potentially win that game only because the Saints are traveling across country. And the Jaguars, it's a winnable game because the Jaguars are are coming cross country. Then they have their bye week. If the Seahawks win two of the three games, I think they lose against the Packers after the bye week, even if they have Russell Wilson back. Week 11 versus the Arizona Cardinals. It'll depend where the Cardinals are. I think that they could potentially beat the Cardinals. They play their rivals hard. But if Russell Wilson's back for Washington, I think they'd beat Washington. Week 13 versus San Francisco, if Russell's back for that game, I think they're beating the 49ers. They're at home, and I've always said that I'm not a big fan of Trey Lance thus far, and Trey Lance is starting this week, so that will be interesting to see. I want to see if he improves or if he just looks sluggish and how he looked this past week, very raw. But they have a very favorable end of schedule, I guess. I mean, they fa- their final five weeks, they face Houston, then they face the Rams, then they face Chicago, Detroit, and Arizona. I've, I see them winning three of those games. The final two being the Rams and the Cardinals, I don't know. That's uh, th- those are throw up games, but it, it it's hard. I I feel bad for Seahawks fans mainly because I know that Russell Wilson is probably going to be out of Seattle after this year, and it's weird because I I don't want to see Russell Wilson gone, as I know Seattle Seahawks fans probably don't want to see Russell Wilson gone. I don't. When I think of the Seahawks, I think of two people. Well, three people. Russell Wilson, Marshawn Lynch, and Pete Carroll. Those three people. And I know certain people would say, whoa, you don't think of Richard Sherman? I do, but ah, I think of Marshawn. I think of Russell Wilson, and I think of Pete Carroll. And it's because Pete Carroll's been there forever. Russell Wilson... Of course, went to Wisconsin. I'm from Wisconsin, so it kind of makes sense for myself. I love Russell Wilson, too. Great quarterback. And then Marshawn Lynch. Who doesn't love Marshawn Lynch? Besides maybe Rams fans, 49ers fans, and Cardinals fans. But it's definitely interesting. Uh, We're going to take a break. When we return, we're going to talk a little bit about the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield when we return after this. Welcome back. This is the Football News and Knowledge Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Bell. 
and we are about to talk a little bit about Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. And I said before the season that I believe that the Cleveland Browns are a super team and that they are definite Super Bowl contenders. I want to give a little bit of tough love to Browns fans. And I hate to say it, but right now, Baker Mayfield, and I love Baker Mayfield. I literally love him. I've been, I'm, there's been multiple times over the past couple months where I've been considering buying an autographed jersey of his. He is performing at such a low level. And he's the reason why the team is not at a high, like they're performing well. They're, they're still a good team. But they are not performing where they should be, and it's because of how poorly Baker is performing. Baker Mayfield, among starters right now, or among the top 32 NFL quarterbacks, there are only eight current quarterbacks in the top 32 that have a worse QBR than Baker Mayfield. And a couple of them are backups. Like they Jacoby Brissett playing in for Tua. Of course, backup. Uh Davis Mills, backup. Um just looking at the other ones. Let's see here. Taylor Heineke has a better QBR. Now, granted, I've raved about Taylor Heineke, but one of them's Ben Roethlisberger. And as we all know, Ben Roethlisberger is at the end of his career, but Baker is not performing at a very high level. And the film shows it. There were multiple missed opportunities this past week against the Vikings. Odell Beckham Jr. uh, passed. That would have been an easy touchdown obj has the speed there was a guy who was running parallel with the lines with him and was about 10 10 feet away from him and he threw the ball behind obj there were more times like that there was a time on third and two or no it was third and three i think and he rolled out of the pocket and number 25, I don't know his number, but I just remember the number from the Browns. Browns fans, if you're still listening, you'll know the number. And Browns fans, again, I love Baker Mayfield. I literally love him. Great guy. I think he is probably has like one of the best swagger or the best swagger of any quarterback in the NFL, to be honest. But he rolls out of the pocket. 25 is open by 10 yards. There is not a Viking defender within 10 yards of him. Baker sees him, raises up his arm like he's going to throw it. And then instead of throwing the ball, he tried juking past, uh, I think it was Everson Griffin. It might not have been Everson Griffin from the Vikings, but... uh, or no, it's Daniel Hunter. He tried to uh, juking behind Daniel Hunter, and he juked past him. But the thing is, 
Daniel Hunter was still able to turn around and chase him down and tackle him right at the goal, right at the line of scrimmage. Baker, you have to be smart with that. You you have a clear and open pass. I know hindsight's twenty twenty. Maybe Baker saw a hole, but looking at all the angles from the film, I don't know what he saw. If from where he's looking to his ten o'clock, there are four Vikings players coming towards where he's coming, and I'm saying this is. Before he jukes Daniel Hunter. If we're including Daniel Hunter, then it's five. He jukes, gets past Daniel Hunter for a second, four. Okay, you still have a slight, you still have a second to try and throw it to 25. You made it harder on yourself, but you could still potentially do it. And I think I know what he was trying to do. I think he was hoping that the secondary would come down to try and tackle him. And I get it, like, you want to make the big play, but, I mean, you got you to gotta try and make the smart decision on third down here. That's another thing. His a- accuracy has been an issue for me the past couple weeks, though. He, <laughs> I- I'm not sure how to say it, really. He He's performing at a very low quarterback, like, rating like right now he i he's not one of the top 10 quarterbacks or one of the top 16 quarterbacks in the nfl based on how he's played week one through 21 for 28 no touchdowns one interception whatever one interception not a big deal week two let's see where are you against the texans he has let's see where are you 19 for 21, probably his best game, one touchdown and one interception for completion percentage-wise. Week 3, he threw 19 for 31 for one touchdown. Still got that touchdown. Is against the Bears, and Bears have a great defense. Not going to say that they don't. They they definitely do. But then week 4 against the Minnesota Vikings, and the Vikings have an improved defense as well. I'm not going to try and say that the Vikings have a bad defense, but week four, he threw 15 for 33. He did not even throw 50% completion uh, rate. And like I said, I literally love Baker Mayfield. Great. I, I would want him on my team. And I'm a Falcons fan. I think that Matt Ryan's doing better than Baker Mayfield. But I think Baker brings a certain swagger. I think he matches what Cleveland is perfectly. And very blue-collar player. And I'm not trying to really like get too on him. I mean, he did play the Kansas State Chiefs. The Houston Texans, after week one, they did look like a more aggressive team, a good team. That could have a lot of fight. Played the Bears, which he didn't really perform that well. And then the Vikings, a good team. But you're facing the Chargers this week. You're facing the Cardinals next or, yeah, next week. Broncos in week seven. Steelers, Cincinnati. Like 
y'all have an, a bit of a harder schedule the next couple weeks. And I feel like they aren't going to win a lot of these games. Cleveland, you're not going to win a lot of these games if Baker Mayfield is throwing all these incomplete passes. And I will say this. I do think that Jarvis Landry is a better wide receiver threat for Baker Mayfield than OBJ. I like OBJ. I don't think OBJ complements what Baker does well. But the Browns, they have a good defense right now. I'd say they have one of the better defenses in the NFL. Paired with one of the better running back tandems in the NFL with one of the better offensive line tand or offensive lines in the NFL with one of the better receiving cores when everyone's healthy in the NFL if the browns don't win games once Jarvis Landry gets back and Baker's not dominating then I'm not sure if the Browns should pay Baker. And, you know, last year Baker played very well. And the year before, I don't put any of that uh, on Baker from two years ago because it was just overhype for the Browns because they got a couple good players, but they still were missing a lot of key spots of positions of need. But... It's just concerning, and it's something to watch for the next couple weeks. And if you're going to be making bets, take that into consideration that Baker has not been the most accurate passer. With that being said, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we return, we will be breaking down or doing the game predictions for this NFL week, week five, when we return after this. <laughs> Welcome back. This is the Football News and Knowledge Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Bell, and we are going to start right with the Week 5 predictions. Again, 5 for 5 on Thursday night football games. Ryan, high on those right now. And we're going to start with the international game, the London game, between the Falcons and the Jets. And right now, the Falcons are heading into the game without starting wide receiver Calvin Ridley, second string wide receiver Russell Gage, Eric Harris, the safety, is doubtful, and cornerback Avery Williams is doubtful. Marlon, Marlon Davison is also out for the Falcons, so... The Falcons, going into this game, are going to be missing their best two wide receivers. I think that if you have Kyle Pitts on your team, fantasy team, put him in. He's probably going to have a good week. The Falcons, though, are lacking their strength, which is their passing game. And their biggest weakness their two biggest weaknesses is in the defensive line and the cornerback area. And starter Eric Harris being out, Avery Williams being out, who's a corner, 
not bode, does not bode well for the Falcons. Like all the all the players that are listed on the Falcons injury report are all for the most part out or doubtful, and they're all like starters. That does not bode well for the Falcons. The Jets will be without Adrian Colbert, the safety. Um, Brandon Echos Eccles is questionable. Nathan Shepard is questionable. And Jeff Smith, wide receiver Jeff Smith, is out. Also, Tyler Croft is out. I'm going to be honest. I think the Jets get their second win of the season. Uh, I... The Falcons, I I like Cordell Patterson, and I think if they win, it'll be because one of two things happens. Cordell Patterson has a huge game, or Kyle Pitts has a huge game, or both. But I'm going to take the Jets, mainly because the Falcons struggle on the defensive line. They struggle uh, in coverage. And being a Falcons fan, I've watched the Falcons, and every time it seems like they get a chance to intercept a ball, they drop it. And most of Zach Wilson's interceptions, for the most part, are tipped balls. So I feel like the Falcons, if they get that opportunity, they'll drop the ball. So in that matchup, I'm going to take the Falcons. Then going to the Carolina or the Philadelphia Eagles at the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers will have Shaq Thompson out, Cameron Irving out, and Christian McCaffrey's doubtful. The Eagles will be without Lane Johnson, and as of right now, that's the only person who will be out. I I'm gonna take the Panthers. I'm still going to take the Panthers. I think their uh, defense is too good. And with the addition of Stephon Gilmore, which I don't think he'll play this week. If he does, I don't expect a huge role from him. But the Panthers are still a very good team. I think that they are a better team all around than the Eagles. So I'm going to take the Panthers in that matchup. Then... The Packers at the Bengals. Now, heading into this game, Jari Alexander is out. Uh, Josh Myers is out. Josh Myers is a center. Jari Alexander, if you didn't know, is the cornerback. He will not have season-ending injury or uh, surgery, which is a good thing, but we do not know how long Jari Alexander will be out. The Bengals will be without guard Xavier Suafilo. I probably butchered that name. I am so sorry. And Mike Thomas, who's a wide receiver. And this game is actually a pretty hard game for me to decide on because I feel like the Packers are kind of starting to get going, but the Cincinnati Bengals have played pretty well the past couple weeks. They won week one against the Vikings. They lost versus the Bears. They won against the Steelers. And they won against the Jaguars. And the reason I'm going to pick the Packers in this matchup, it's still hard for me, but the reason why I'm going to pick the Packers is because while the Bengals are 3-1, and one, they beat the, Jackson, or the uh, Minnesota Vikings, 
who are, I'm checking their record again. I think it's, yeah, one and three. They beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are one and three. And then, who else did they beat? Again, I'm, and then they beat, they barely beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are 0 and 4. Not really an encouraging win cycle. If they had a, being a team that's like 2 and 2 or right now, or even 3 and 1, I'd be like, okay, that's more understandable compared to the Packers, who have beat the Detroit Lions. Of course, not that great of a win, but then they've beaten San Francisco, and then they've also beaten. Uh, Pittsburgh and between those two or between the Pittsburgh game for both teams the they they both they both won pretty good I mean the, the Bengals won by 14 points and the Packers won by 10 I just I just believe a little bit more in the Packers and Aaron Rodgers in this game but it's definitely going to be a close game I would probably say that's a throw-up game. Now going to the next game, which is the Patriots at the Texans. And, oh, by the way, and if you didn't understand by why I meant, I'm still taking the Packers. Packers to win in Cincinnati. But it's going to be close. Then Patriots at the Houston Texans. Now, before... Before today, I would have probably said that the Patriots win this game. But four of their offensive linemen, I think it is. Matter of fact, I'm just going to confirm it. But four of their offensive linemen are on the injured, or not injured, uh, COVID list. And that is not bode well for giving Mac Jones a lot of time in the pocket to to really develop plays. And because of that, I think I could see the Houston Texans winning this game. Matter of fact, it's it's a bit of a stretch, but the Texans only are without Rex Burkhead, who I don't even remember seeing once during any of the games. Meanwhile, the Patriots will be without Trent Brown, Shaq Mason, Sean Wade, for sure. And then I'm trying to find who else is on the list. And I think they're there. So Trent Brown, Shaq Mason, uh, Isaiah Wynn, Michael Aluhan are most likely out and I because of that I'm gonna actually end up taking ah, god but then Belichick's so good against rookie quarterbacks this is kind of a throw-up game for me a little bit but I think I'm gonna go out on a limb I think I'm going to take the Houston Texans. I think I'm going to take them in a close one to just squeeze by the uh, New England Patriots. I think that 
the Patriots offense will be struggling without an offensive line. And if somehow two of those offensive linemen come off that list, then I will take the Patriots and the matchup. But without without at least two of them coming and playing in that game, I'm taking the Texans. Then we are going to the Tennessee Titans versus the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville. And heading into this game, the Titans have a huge laundry list of players who are out. Aaron Brewer, the guard or center, Jayon Brown, the linebacker, Tommy Hudson, tight end, Julio Jones, wide receiver, Brett Kern, the punter, is out. Uh, Racy McMath is out, who's a wide receiver. A.J. Brown is in, which is big. And then for the Jaguars, Roy Robertson Harris is out. So definitely does not bode well for the Titans here. I could see the Jaguars getting their first win, but since now, Ryan Tannehill will have A.J. Brown, old Butterfingers A.J. Brown, uh, and Derrick Henry. I think the Titans will be able to win this game. Again, going to be a close game. Wouldn't be shocked if the Jaguars won this game, won their first game of the season. But with all the coaching issues with Urban Meyer, I could see... The Jaguars losing this game, and then Shad Khan saying, okay, we're firing Urban Meyer now, and Urban Meyer being out after this week, because you have an extended week. If this stuff doesn't go on with Urban Meyer from this past week, I'm saying that the Jaguars win this game, but the players through practice have pretty much made fun of Urban Meyer. They broke down a practice by saying grind and everyone started laughing afterwards in reference to the girl who is grinding on Urban Meyer. So I'm going to take the Tennessee Titans in this matchup. Then the Detroit Lions at the Minnesota Vikings. This is a game that will have no Lions players at this point are out of the game. And for the Vikings, Emir Smith-Marset is out. Michael Pierce is out. And Dalvin Cook is questionable. I think I'm going to take the Vikings here. It's in Minnesota. The Vikings have played very good this year thus far. I... I I'm just going to trust that offense a little bit more than I trust the Lions. So, Vikings win that game. Then, going to the next game, it is the Denver Broncos at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this is a game that... I could potentially see the Steelers winning, but at the same time, I kind of can't. I mean, the Steelers will be without players like Cameron Sutton, who's a cornerback. They will also be without Carlos Davis, Rashad Coward, and James Washington. 
Meanwhile, the Broncos will be without. They they only have one person out, and Albert Oak. I'm I'm not gonna try and pronounce that last name. Albert O. Um, he's the tight end. Uh, I don't want to butcher your name, Albert. I am sorry, but they have Teddy Bridgewater, who's questionable. Melvin Gordon's questionable. Patrick Sertan's questionable. Deontay Spencer's questionable, and Cortland Sutton's questionable. I, I'm going to take the Broncos. I feel like the Broncos' defense is going to be able to stop the Steelers' offense, especially with how Big Ben's been playing lately. I, I would say Big Ben is not the correct way to call Ben Roethlisberger anymore. Big Ben was young Ben Roethlisberger. It's like the... It's like when... You're growing up and you got all your nicknames with your friends and everything. And then once you grow up and you like get a real job and all that, then everyone, you go, no, my name's Ben. Ben Roethlisberger. He's Ben Roethlisberger now. He's old man Ben Roethlisberger. And because of that, I am going, because of how he's been performing lately, I'm going to take the Broncos in this matchup. It doesn't look good for Big Ben. I would not be shocked if he ends up on the injured reserve list soon enough to never be seen again and consider it an early retirement. Then going to the Dolphins at Buccaneers. This game, the Buccaneers will be without Rob Gronkowski and Patrick O'Connor, who's a defensive tackle for the Buccaneers also they will be without Antoine Winfield Jr. The Dolphins will be without they they don't have anyone who's out yet. Devontae Parker is questionable. I'm taking the Buccaneers here. I think the Buccaneers it's it's a super team compared to the Dolphins with Jacoby Brissett, who has not looked good. The Dolphins have not looked good at all the past couple weeks. And because of that, I'm taking the Buccaneers. Then we go over to the Saints at the Washington football team. And this is a game that is hard to like, decide. The uh, As of right now, the Saints will be without center Eric Armstead, or Eric McCoy and Tyrone Armstead, tackle Tyrone Armstead. And the uh, Washington football team will be without Brandon Sheriff, who's their uh, left guard, and Cam, Cameron Sims, and Diami Brown. So they'll be without two wide receivers and a guard. This game, this is kind of a throw-up game. I think it could go either way. I'm going to take Washington, though. And it's because that pass rush, and I know that they haven't really been that dominant this year, but the Saints missing two offensive linemen with Jameis Winston having some Jameis Winston moments already this season. I think Washington's going to put a lot of pressure on Jameis, and eventually Jameis might mess up, throw an interception, and I trust Tyler or Taylor Heineke enough to lead the, the Washington football team down the field and make some plays and win the game. So I'm going to take the Washington football team in that matchup. 
heading to the next game, which is the Cleveland Browns at the LA Chargers. This this feels almost like a trap game to me. The Browns will be without Chris Hubbard, tackled Chris Hubbard, and cornerback Greg Newsom, the second. Meanwhile, the Chargers will only have Justin Jackson as doubtful. It's in LA. I haven't been confident in how Baker Mayfield has performed. I'm going to take... I don't want to, but I'm going to take the LA Chargers in this matchup. They're at home. Justin Herbert has performed better than Baker Mayfield. I need to see more out of Baker Mayfield before I pick the Browns. And I know some may say, oh, well, you've said that the Browns are a super team. Super teams should be able to make up for that. Yeah, they are. I. But if Baker's not making plays early, I feel like that. The reason why the Browns have been able to play so well is because Baker, while messing up in the beginning, their defense has been able to make stops. And I feel like it's going to be harder to stop Justin Herbert and that Charger offense than all the other teams that they've faced, other than the Chiefs. The Chiefs were a very good team, of course, or are a very good team. I don't know. It, it's a, it's a kind of a throw me up or throw up game. I'm going to say that as of right now, I might or I'm going to choose the Chargers. If I, check Twitter. Saturday or Sunday morning, or actually check it Saturday night. And if actually, no, I'm taking the Chargers. I'm taking the Chargers straight up. I know I'm kind of indecisive right now. It's a hard matchup for me, mainly because I like the Browns this year. I could see them upsetting the, the uh, Chargers, though. So if you're looking for a good upset, maybe take the Browns in this matchup. Then we go to the Bears at the Raiders. And this is another really good game. Like, we have a lot of good games this week. The Bears will be without Jesse James, J.P. Holtz, Joey. I'm not going to try and pronounce that last name. It's a linebacker, Joey Iubinji. I'm just trying pronouncing it. I can guarantee I butchered it. And David Montgomery, the Raiders will be without Damon Arnett, Derek Carrier, and Trayvon Mullen Jr. I think I'm going to take the Raiders in this matchup. The For all the, the Chargers who fans who want to make fun of Derek Carr and say, oh, he plays scared. He didn't play scared. He didn't. I've watched all the film from this entire season. There was not once where I saw him really like curl up into a ball. Yeah, he curls up when he's about to get hit. Any good quarterback's going to do that. It's called protecting the ball. The play where uh, he like spun into someone and like was already tucking the ball. Yeah. He literally was about to run and then saw the defensive tackle and kind of like got scared. 
I'm not going to fault the guy for that one play. While the Bears have a great defense, I'm still taking the Raiders. Then the 49ers at the Cardinals. This is a game that I thought was going to be potentially a close game if Jimmy Garoppolo was starting. Jimmy Garoppolo is out. George Kittle is doubtful. Kwan Williams is out, who's a cornerback for the 49ers. 49ers, one of their weaknesses is in the cornerback uh, area. The Cardinals, Byron Murphy Jr.'s out. Justin, Mur- Justin Murray's out. I'm taking the Cardinals. I don't trust Trey Lance enough. I need to see more out of him. And I don't think we're going to see it. I think people are going to start questioning the 49ers after seeing Trey Lance this week. Because everyone knows Kyle Shanahan's an offensive genius. If Trey Lance doesn't perform at least well in this game, people are going to look at them like, why did you trade up for the guy who had the least amount of pass attempts ever for a for a first-round quarterback? Why did you do that? Why did you go after the guy from NDSU? You should have went after Justin Fields, Mac Jones, one of these other quarterbacks. And I'm not going to say that that's going to be said quite yet, but if he doesn't perform well, I can feel, I can already feel that that's going to start being said. It'll probably be said by me if he performs like, very, very poorly, like terrible. But I'm gonna have faith and say that he performs probably well at best, mediocre to well. And people might say, "Oh, mediocre is not good." I'm gonna say mediocre for him is good right now. Then the Giants at the Cowboys. This game. The Cowboys will be without Dorrance Armstrong, the defensive end. Then the New York Giants will be without Ben Bredson, an offensive lineman, Jabril Peppers, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. I I mean, Daniel Jones has performed. No one should be knocking Daniel Jones right now. Daniel Jones is having by far his best year, and he's actually performing at a very high quarterback level right now. Without having Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton, yes, he still has Kenny Galladay. He still has Evan Ingram. He still has Kyle Rudolph. I I just can't see the Giants beating this powerhouse Cowboys off and and this powerhouse Cowboys defense in Dallas. I'm taking the Cowboys. Now the Bills at the Chiefs. This is going to be a tremendous game. The Chiefs right now have no one heading into the game that will be out. Right now Chris Jones has not practiced at all this week. Uh, Chardavius Ward is questionable, but looks like he's going to play. The Bills will not be missing anyone. A.J. Epinesa was limited during practice all week. Uh, Matt Milano and Taiwan Jones were both 
limited in practice this week as well. This is going to be a very good game. And this could potentially be an AFC championship rematch down the line. The Bills have struggled with the Chiefs. I'm going to take... God, I'm going to look at who the Bills have played real quick. I just need to confirm it. The Buffalo Bills lost week one to Pittsburgh. Not a good team. Then they shut out the Miami Dolphins. Then they blew out the Washington football team. And then they shut out the Houston Texans. I feel like that they're beating the teams that they should beat. Not just good. They're they're shutting them out. They're, they're doing it at the highest level. And the teams that they... Will, that should be a little bit of a competition. They're still beating thoroughly. So I am really like how they look in this matchup. The Kansas City Chiefs, they barely beat the Browns. They lost in heartbreak fashion to the Ravens and the Chargers. It was a turnovers issue. And then they beat the Eagles, but their defense has struggled this year. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that the Bills win this matchup. It's going to be a close game, but I'm going to take the Bills. And then for the Monday night matchup, the Baltimore Ravens and the Indianapolis Colts. As of right now, no one is listed as out for the Ravens or the Colts. The only players that I'm actually concerned about are Ronnie Staley, who has an ankle injury, uh, and Alejandro Villanueva, who is dealing with a knee injury from the Ravens. The Colts, I am concerned mostly about Kawitney Pay who did not participate with a hamstring injury, Brandon Smith, who didn't participate with a foot and thumb injury, and Jack Doyle, who did not... Actually, Jack Doyle's fine. That's Ryan Kelly, who did not participate with a groin injury. Y'all know how I feel about the Colts. My dark horse team for the Super Bowl. I think they're a very good team and probably one of the more heavily underrated teams. And because of that, you want I'm going to take I'm trying to see here. Is this, is this game at in uh Indianapolis? I'm just going to confirm I'm pulling up the schedule right now. Fits in Indianapolis. Ooh, it's in Baltimore. I think I'm going to take the Ravens then. If it was in Indianapolis, I would take Indy. But because it's in Baltimore, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb, actually. No, I'm going to take the Colts in this matchup. I'm going to take the Colts. And the reason is, I think that Darius Slayton's going to be do enough to stop. Or not Darius Slayton. Darius Leonard is going to do enough to stop uh, Lamar Jackson, I think that the Colts will be smart enough to have someone spying Lamar Jackson 
I think that Colts defense is strong enough to stop the run game of the Ravens. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with the Colts here. I mean it's definitely not a a great bet. I mean it, if the Colts win it would pay out probably pretty well. I feel like the Colts are not favored in this game at all. But I'm gonna take the Colts. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Colts. Uh with that being said, that does wrap up the week five predictions. Again, just breaking it down one more time. We had the Jets beating the Falcons, the Panthers beating the Eagles, the Packers beating the Bengals, the Texans beating the Patriots, the Titans beating the Jags, the Vikings beating the Lions, the Broncos beating the Steelers, the Buccaneers beating the Dolphins, the Saints or the Washington football team beating the Saints, the LA Chargers beating the Browns, the Las Vegas Raiders beating the Chicago Bears, the Arizona Cardinals being the San Francisco 49ers, the D- Dallas Cowboys being the New York Giants, the Buffalo Bills beating the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Indianapolis Colts beating the Baltimore Ravens. That wraps up the Week 5 game predictions. Tune in next week, Wednesday, for updates. And until then, I hope you guys have a great weekend. If you drink, do not drive, and enjoy football this weekend. We'll see you next week. Talk to you later. And also, one last thing. This episode, I'm recording this episode on Friday. I'm hoping it gets out by Friday night. If it doesn't, it is because of the publishing delay. Sometimes this the website that it goes through on all the data that it goes through, it takes longer at times. And if it comes out early Saturday morning, I'm sorry again for any inconvenience. But as of right now, I hope that it comes out Friday night. Anyway, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the football that's to come. And we'll see you again next Wednesday.